Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. Let's read Colossians 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Luke. Well, I thought I'd ask a question to start today, and the question is, who was here day one of follow four years ago? Why don't you stand up? We're standing up today. These people are pioneers. These people are here day one, and so let's give them a round of applause. Well done. Excellent. You can be seated again. We met our first day at Tumar Community Centre um, over in Pakenham in uh, Lakeside Square there. And uh, things have changed a lot since then and we've certainly grown and it's great to see all the people that remain seated just then have come since that time. And so that's a really wonderful thing. And so today, Follow Baptist Church, by the grace of God, turns four years old. And some of you may be wondering... Why do we celebrate our birthday every single year at Follow? I mean, it's not really a milestone this year. It's, it's only four years old. I mean, uh, Wilma, where's Wilma this morning? She's 25 years old today, so that's a milestone. But four years doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? It's not five years. It's not 10 years. It's not 25 years. It's not 50 years. It's just four years. And so why do we continue to celebrate our birthday every year here at Follow? Well, I often say that we're a church that looks for any excuse to celebrate. Any excuse at all, and this is a really good one, and I think the reason that celebration can be so powerful is that it causes us to stop and to focus and to remember with grateful hearts the many things that we have to be thankful for. God has been so incredibly good to us over the last four years, and so it's not just four boring old years, it's four years jam-packed full of God's amazing grace extended to us, and I think that's worth celebrating. I mean, if you stopped and thought about all the things that God's done in your life in the last four years and all the things that God's done here at Follow, I think you'd be quite amazed and I think you would be staggered at his goodness in your life. I mean, some of you here this morning, we heard from Ashley this morning, some of you this morning weren't even following Jesus four years ago. That's amazing, isn't it? That now you're walking with the Lord. Some of you were broken and hurting from painful past experiences. Some of you were lonely and didn't have a sense of community in your life that you've now found here in this community. Others have had other great things happen. Some of you have grown immensely in your faith. Some of you have really stepped up when it comes to leadership. Some of you have been baptised. Some of you got married. Some of you have got a house. Some of you have had kids. And so if you really stopped and thought about everything that had happened in the last four years, if you really meditated on those things, I think you'd find that thankfulness would be the only appropriate response. We have so much to be thankful for. So today, we celebrate four years as a church, not because we have to, but because we get to. We get to stop and thank God and remember all the great things he's done for us. The title of today's message is Developing a Daily Rhythm of Thankfulness. I found over the years as a preacher, something funny happens when you're preparing a sermon on a particular topic. I find that God often tests you in the week of that topic to make sure you can do it before you preach it. And so if you're preaching on forgiveness, you can be guaranteed someone will do something really stupid that week and you've got to practice forgiveness on that person. 
If you're preaching on marriage, there will be tension on the way to church in the car. Not that there's ever any tension in our car at all. If you are preaching on parenting, your kids will do something that week that will question why you ever had kids in the first place. It's just the way it seems to work. And so this week, the the topic is thankfulness. And so you can imagine what my week has been like this week. It's almost like God was saying to me, you are preaching on developing a daily rhythm of thankfulness, but can you practice what you preach? This week I was tested in my willingness to be thankful. And when I started this sermon on on Wednesday, there were all sorts of pressures going on in our lives. And one of them is that I thought I was about to lose the love of my life. Darcy, a three-year-old miniature bull terrier, has had a very, very, very bad week. And we thought on Wednesday and Thursday that we were going to lose him. I was absolutely devastated. Kim, my wife, I think was quietly hopeful. Darcy hadn't eaten or drunk for nearly three days, which is very rare for him. He eats pretty much everything in sight. The vets weren't sure what was going on, and he had no desire to even move, which is very, very unusual for a bull terrier. They jump all over you. They're pretty hyperactive. But he had no desire to move at all, and I honestly thought on Wednesday night he was going to die. And I was sad. I was sad about that. And all the while, I was trying to write a sermon on thankfulness. And I must admit, I found it a challenge to hold up these things in tension, worry and sadness and praise and thankfulness. It was stressful while we were trying to discover what to do. Eventually, we worked out what the problem with Darcy was. Darcy had a strange-looking lump in his stomach that was not allowing food or water to go through into his intestine. So you can see the circle there. He's got a really big stomach there, which is abnormal. And we didn't know what was going on. The vet didn't know what the lump was. And so they decided on Thursday that they would do emergency surgery to open him up and remove it. So I won't show you the pictures of the mid-operation sort of stuff, but if you like that kind of thing, come and see me and I'll show you just before you eat lunch. (laughs) But we did work out what the lump was. Up here on the uh, screen, you'll see a chewed up football. Where is the end of that football, you ask? It's there, in Darcy's tummy. And that's the reason why he couldn't eat and drink, together with some other hard plastic stuff, which we haven't been able to kind of identify. But that's what the problem was for Darcy. Now, you'll be happy to know that the story has a semi-good ending. This is Darcy post-operation. He's looking pretty sad, and he's either sad because he's just had his stomach cut open or he's recovering from the anaesthetic, or he's feeling really guilty because he just cost us a fortune. (laughs) I'd like to say it's the second one. I'm pretty sure it's the first one. He's just feeling sick and sorry after the operation. But this is what he looked like afterwards, and if I'm honest, this week when I was worried about Darcy and when I received the bill from the vet... I must admit that thankfulness was not the first thing that crossed my mind. But as I started to meditate on today's scripture that I had to prepare a message on, God reminded me about some key truths when it comes to thankfulness. And the first one is this, that thankfulness should be lifestyle for those in Christ. We should be people who have a lifestyle of thankfulness. In Colossians 4 that we read this morning, verse 2, it says, Devote. Devote yourselves to prayer, to being watchful, and to being thankful. Now, you'll know that devote is not really a flippant word. It's not, you know, a relaxed word. It's not an accidental word. It's not even an easy word. It's a word that has a deliberate regularity, commitment, 
and intensity to it. I don't accidentally or half-heartedly devote myself to my wife. If I accidentally did that, I would accidentally find myself on the back deck foraging for food in our backyard for dinner at night. And so I have made a decision to devote myself, a deliberate choice to devote myself to my wife because Kim's a very good cook. (laughs) And because I love her with all of my heart. Digging my way out this morning. But I've made a decision to devote myself to my wife because I love her. That means that I make daily decisions. Don't ask her about this, but I make daily decisions to do things that demonstrate that devotion, and I do these things unconditionally. And so I tell Kim and all of my kids pretty much every single day of their life that I love them. And so I'll say to the kids most days, guess what? And they'll say, what? I'll say, I love you. They say, you tell us every day, Dad. And then I give them the dad talk. Would you know there's a lot of kids out there that don't have a dad that ever tells them that they love them. And you are absolutely blessed because you get a dad that tells you every single day that you are loved. And they just go, and I'm reminded they've got a lot of work to do when it comes to being thankful. (laughs) So please pray for particularly my daughters and our family that they become more thankful about the amazing dad that they've been given. But I do these things because I'm devoted. I do them because I care for them. I pray for them regularly. I spend time with them. Now, granted, most of that time these days is in the car. I drive them to school and I pick them up from school and I drive them to work and I pick them up from work and I drive them to babysitting and I pick them up from babysitting and I drive them to, you know, everywhere else, singing and the shops and everywhere they want to go at all different times of the day and night and it is an absolute blessing to do that. (laughs) And I am thrilled. I'm essentially a free Uber service for the Williams kids in Pakenham. Why do I do all these things regularly and deliberately and joyfully? Because I'm devoted to them. I'm devoted to them. In the King James Version of the Bible, the word devotion is replaced with the word continue, which I find quite interesting. It says continue to pray, continue to watch, continue to be thankful. And in the original Greek, the word devote means to be earnest towards, to persevere and not faint, to be constantly diligent, to be steadfastly attentive to. And so devotion, in the original meaning, has this element of continuous and regular activity. This is what it is to be devoted to someone or to something. When we think about being devoted to God, we often think about the things we do, don't we? We think about reading our Bibles, we think about prayer, we think about communion, we think about gathering together to worship, and and they're all good things to be devoted to. Scripture encourages us to be devoted to those things on a regular basis. In fact, today's passage said, devote yourself to prayer, and that's a very, very good thing to do, to communicate with God on a regular basis. But there's one thing which is just as important that we often skip over and miss, and it's the call of every Christian person to live a life of thankfulness. Because it doesn't just say devote yourself to prayer, it also says devote yourself to thankfulness. Thankfulness should be continuous and regular in our lives, part of a daily rhythm or a lifestyle. For something to become lifestyle, it takes us to devote ourselves to it. And this is true if we're going to develop a daily rhythm of thankfulness. On average, it takes more than two months before a new behaviour becomes automatic. And a recent study said that it takes anywhere between 18 and 254 days for people to form a new habit. This year at Follow, our theme for the year, our vision for the year, is change for growth. Uh, We want to to be people that continue to grow as people. I think God's doing stuff in our church and in people's lives in that particular regard. 
But maybe part of the change for growth this year, for, for some of us, is developing and building new habits in our lives. In our vision series in February, I talked about keystone habits. Keystone habits are the kind of habits that are healthy and they actually generate other habits in our life. And so at the start of the year, I shared that one of the things I was trying to become more disciplined in this year was sleep. I want to get to bed earlier at night and get more hours sleep. And I found that as I was doing that, it started to generate other healthy habits in my life. And so as I got to bed earlier, it means that I would wake up earlier, which meant that I would walk the dog longer, which meant that he was slightly less crazy and I would start to lose weight which meant that I wanted to eat more healthily. At the same time, I would listen to a podcast when I was walking in the morning, so I would learn more and I would grow spiritually. When I grow spiritually, I actually am more healthy in life, and that all sort of flows onto different things. I feel better emotionally, I'm happier, I have more energy for the family, and it all started by being more disciplined in sleep. And so sleep has become a keystone habit. Well, I think if you're looking for a keystone habit today, thankfulness would be a really good one to start with. Thankfulness could be an incredibly important keystone habit in our lives. And I wonder what other habits would flow out of our lives if we were to devote ourselves to be fully committed to being thankful. How would our day change? How would our attitudes change? How would our overall experience change if we were to develop a lifestyle of thankfulness? To answer the questions I want to read to you from a book Marie gave me this week. Um, it's a book by Anne Voskamp called 1,000 Gifts that she wrote a number of years ago. And this is a devotional guide that goes with it. And her introduction um, tells us a little bit about what's happened in her life since she devoted herself to living a life of thankfulness. So I want to read it to you this morning. She said, It all began quite spontaneously, unintentionally. One of those things that God grows up in the most unexpected places. A friend dared me to start counting 1,000 things I loved. I took the dare, accepted the challenge, kept track of 1,000 things, 1,000 gifts, 1,000 graces on a quiet, unassuming blog. Before I knew it, thankfulness to God began to fully change me. What I actually found startling was more daily wonder and surprising beauty than I ever expected. And in a few short years, this daily hunt, I love that, this daily hunt for God's grace, his glory, had ushered me into a fuller life, a life of joy. Over the past several years, I've listed over 4,000 gifts and I continue. Once one has begun, has tasted and known he who is God, who can stop giving him glory? Thousands more have begun their own lists in jail cells and by their deathbeds, in third world slums and by faith alone. And it's not an overstatement to say that by giving him thanks, it has made me and innumerable others overcomers. How did all of this happen? Well, a few years ago, I decided to try to live this giving thanks as I believe Jesus did every day, regardless of his circumstances. And what I found was that in giving thanks for each moment and savouring it as bread from his hand, I'd find sustenance and the grace of God himself in it. I wrote a book about this gratitude called 1,000 Gifts. I didn't start with any specific steps, but through this intentional daily practice of giving thanks, I found myself on a transformative journey that affected every aspect of my life, including all the broken places. God began to show me the graces, the love gifts that were right before me, waiting to be noticed, waiting to be received. This easily overlooked stuff, the small and especially the hard, became for me a life-giving stream of joy in him. 
Even when I'm sometimes impatient or unwilling, when I face conflict and heartache, I've begun to accept that even the impossible is a possible opportunity to thank God, to experience the goodness and the grace of the giver of all. There is always only more grace. And it's always more than I expect. And you, you in the midst, you in the mire, are you too thinking about counting your blessings, about making your life all about joy in Christ, about loving God and enjoying Him forever? There is so much joy in seeing how He uses our simple act of noticing the blessings He bestows all around us to transform our lives and the lives of those we touch. So here's how I suggest we begin this journey by grace. She suggests three things. First of all, pray. She says, start with a simple request, making it the refrain of your day, God, open the eyes of my heart. This journey must be spirit-led every day. After we've prayed, secondly, receive. Open your hand to the simple daily gifts, writing down all the unique and ordinary things you notice, from the grand and the obvious to the humble and the hidden. And once you've prayed and received, then praise. Praise Him for the unexpected, and the unlikely, for the daily and the difficult, and for the graces in disguise. The more you count, the more gifts you will see. Do not disdain the small. The moments add up, and we might come to believe it, that the whole earth is full of his glory. Beyond that, there is no method or formula. There is simply a willingness to bend, to receive, to begin to take note of the daily love God unfurls. What could be simpler, more glorious, than doing what we were made for? It's a powerful reading, a powerful attitude to be people that realize what we have to be thankful in our life. And I love that last line, that we've actually been designed as human beings to be people who praise and express thankfulness to our Creator. I wonder, what if you woke up today with only the things you thanked God for yesterday? You might have seen that on the follow Instagram yesterday. Let me read it again. What if you woke up today with only the things you thank God for yesterday? I'm going to put some statements on the screen. And these are some simple things in our life that we experience every day. And I want you to stop and reflect and think about when's the last time you thank God, if you ever have, for some of these things in your life. The first one is God's provision of food. I'm pretty thankful for that. I can smell it over there right now. And and I kind of wish I could fast forward my sermon so I could go and eat. And you're probably thinking the same. God's provision of food. When's the last time you thank God for food? The country we live in. The roof over our heads. Our salvation. The freedom we enjoy. Nature and surroundings. Our family and friends. Warm clothes. Clean air. Running water. Kirstie's taking a photo. Are you finished? Excellent. Good. I can go on. Hot showers. Praise God for hot showers, right? I have two every day. I love them. I spend a lot of time in there. Hot showers. Our job and people who have given us opportunities. Our church community. Education. Music. Lessons we learn in the hard times. They can be amazing blessings in our life. Changing seasons. Hope for the future. Books and technology. And reluctantly, pets. Which of these things would you have woken up with this morning if they were dependent on thanking God for them yesterday? You'll be happy to know as as your pastor, I would have woken up with all these things because I wrote the list yesterday and I made sure I prayed through it so that I could say that today. But if it was the day before, 
you're probably more encouraged to hear that I would have woken up cold, hungry, and with no roof over my head because I never took the time to thank God for those things. We could sit here all day and we could write a list of a million things to be thankful to God for, but how often do we actually stop and develop a daily rhythm in our lives to be thankful for the many things that we've got? I mean, we look at that list and we could take so many of those things for granted and yet most of the things on that list are nothing but a luxury for so many people in our world. And yet we still find things to grumble about. And we've got so much to be thankful for. So I want to stop for a moment. So we're talking about developing a daily rhythm of thankfulness in our lives. And so if you don't do that at all today, I'm going to make you do it for one minute. So I want to stop for one minute. And just where you are, just quietly, I want you just to pray about maybe something on the screen or maybe something else in your life that you're thankful to God for. And So let's just stop for one minute now and we're going to do that. First thing I learnt this week about thankfulness is for, as, for us as God's people, thankfulness should be lifestyle. Secondly, this morning, I also read that thankfulness is something that we should be in all circumstances. We should be thankful in all circumstances. So that's the second point today, that we're to be thankful in all circumstances. In our second reading today from 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, it says, Rejoice always. That's what we're doing today. We're rejoicing together. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. You'll notice it doesn't say occasionally give thanks. Give thanks when life's a breeze. Give thanks when everything's just going smoothly. Give thanks when there's no conflict in your life. Give thanks when everything is good. No, no, it doesn't say that. It says give thanks in all circumstances. And I think the longer you go on in life, the more you realise that sometimes the hardest things in life end up being the things that God develops the most character in our lives. They can end up being some of the most incredible blessings as we look back over our lives. I think most of us would realise that it's easy to say that we should give thanks in all circumstances, but it's not quite as easy to do. We might even read passages like this and think to ourselves, who on earth wrote these passages? They must be written by someone whose life is a breeze. They must be written by someone who's never experienced hardship, someone who's never suffered injustice, a person who's never had a bad day and has a perfect little life, or else how could they possibly have the nerve to write something like this? How could they say, give thanks in all circumstances, devote yourselves to thankfulness, when life at times can be incredibly tough? Well, it's interesting to note that both of these passages were penned by the same man, and that man is the Apostle Paul. I want to read another passage of scripture today that describes and tells us all about his perfect little life. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is what he says. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have been cold and naked and often gone without food. 
Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. In Damascus, the governor under King Aratus had the city of the Damascenes guarded in order to arrest me, but I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and slipped through his hands. Wouldn't you just love Paul's life? Just sounds like such an adventure, doesn't it? What a breeze to have a life like that. That's why you can be thankful. Life has been so easy for the Apostle Paul. I think if you're having a bad day, then spare a moment for this grown man who was lowered from a window in a basket to escape an angry mob simply for his faith in Jesus. The Apostle Paul experienced some of the worst things you could ever go through in this life. And yet this is the same man who pens these letters where he says, devote yourself to thankfulness and give thanks in all circumstances. I want to be clear this morning. I'm not saying that we should never feel sad or disappointed or that we should diminish real issues that happen in our lives. Being thankful doesn't mean uh, not being real and walking around with like an artificial smile on our face all the time. There are times in life that are difficult and tragic and painful, and I don't want to underestimate what some of you have been through or are going through right now in your life. My problems this week pale into significance to some of the things that you're struggling with right now, but I found even for myself that it was difficult this week to be thankful. But it was helpful in a difficult week to meditate on these scriptures and remind myself of who wrote them and to remember that we don't need a perfect little life to be thankful. I think it's easy to be thankful, isn't it, when life is easy? But it takes devotion to thank God even when life is tough. And so the question kind of remains, how do we actually become people that are thankful in all circumstances? Well, this morning it might be helpful to think of it in financial terms. And debit and credit. All of us are either in debit or credit. Most of us are in debit because we have a a home loan or we have a credit card or whatever. And very few of us are in credit. But if you are fortunate enough to have paid off all of your bills and your home, you might find yourself one day in credit. And so debit means that you owe money to someone. Credit means that they owe money to you. That's a good place to be. And so it might be good to think about thankfulness when it comes to debit And credit, because I think sometimes when life is difficult, we see ourselves in debit when it comes to thankfulness. I mean, life is just too tough. The stuff I'm going through is too hard. People don't understand what I'm going through. And I just don't have enough right now. I'm bankrupt when it comes to thankfulness. I've got nothing to be thankful for in my life. And so I can't give thanks to God or to anyone else because life's just too hard. I find myself bankrupt in debit. But the thing is this, that If you're a person who's put your faith in Jesus, then you've always got something to be thankful for. I think Paul addresses in this same letter where he outlined all these difficulties, the answer to the question of how we can be thankful. In 2 Corinthians 4, he says, Therefore, despite what we go through, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, they didn't sound like they were light and momentary, But this is the way Paul saw it. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If you are in a relationship with Jesus, when it comes to thankfulness, you will always find yourself in credit because Jesus has done things for you that you could never do for yourself. On the cross, Jesus took your debt, all the sin, all the brokenness, all the mistakes you've made. He took your sin and he put it upon himself at the cross. And he stretched out his hands and he said, it is finished. 
And so when we accept what Jesus has done for us, he has wiped our debt away. We no longer have to pay that debt, which is death, for the things that we've done wrong, but instead he wipes away our debt and at the same time he actually puts a deposit in our, our spiritual bank account. And that deposit is righteousness. That instead of the unrighteousness of all the things we've done wrong, we are now seen as righteous in God's eyes. And so we can come back into a relationship with a holy God because of what Jesus has done for us. Not only that, but he gives us his Holy Spirit, which scripture says is a deposit guaranteeing our future inheritance in him. That all the mess and stuff that we find ourselves in and that we've created, Jesus guarantees that when he comes back, if we find ourselves in him, he will deliver us from all of that and we will be in his presence for all eternity. That is a wonderful blessing. That is the glorious hope of the gospel. And three of you are excited about that, and that's wonderful. And I hope the rest of you will get excited about it as well, because it's not just that. There's steak knives as well. The steak knives are this, is that every day, even though we don't deserve it, God keeps his, his blessings, his mercies are new every morning. And so every day, he's depositing in our account every single day. And so we will never go into debit when it comes to thankfulness. Even in the most difficult times of life, we will always have things that will cause us to fall to our knees and praise God because he is good all the time. And it's a wonderful thing. In the most difficult times of life, we still have so much to be thankful for. The light of momentary troubles that are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. This is why Jesus is the vision of our church. Because when we keep our eyes on Jesus, it lifts our eyes above the things we're going through and it reminds us that we have a saviour who has delivered us in an extraordinary way. And we, if that's all we ever did, we would have enough to thank him for for all eternity. And yet he's gracious enough to keep blessing us every single day of our lives. And so thankfulness is lifestyle. We need to be thankful in all circumstances. But thirdly, thankfulness is God's will for our lives. Thankfulness is God's will for our lives. Have you ever heard someone say, or maybe you've said it yourself, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. I just don't know what I'm meant to be doing. Well, let me help you this morning. I'm going to reread the passage. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It doesn't get any more obvious than that. You think, oh, yeah, yeah, but, but I want to know what to do in life. Well, maybe God's waiting for you to do his revealed will before he shows you the things that are yet to be revealed. If you get busy praying, you get busy praising, you get busy thanking, then maybe God will show you the next step. And so there's so much in Scripture that God's already revealed to us about what his will is, and so we need to be busy doing those things. As God's people, we should be the most thankful people on the planet. People should look at the church and they should see a buzz of thankfulness and joy and life in a church like this, and in any church they go into, that's what they should experience. Do you think that's what most people think about church? No, most people don't. You look on social media, they think church is the moral police, they're always uh, complaining about something, they're always grumbling about people, they're always looking miserable, like they're sucking on a lemon. That's kind of the perception that people have of church, and I think that's an absolute tragedy, because we should be the most grateful, joyful, thankful people on the planet. But I think in our humanity, if we're honest, most of us would say that grumbling comes much easier to us than thankfulness. Grumbling kind of just happens naturally. But thankfulness is something we need to choose to do deliberately. 
I found myself in a church many years ago where there was a long season in that church that felt like just a whole lot of collective grumbling. And it started off with just a few people and just a few little things, and then it kind of spread like a virus right through the church until there was this feeling of kind of dreariness and apathy over the whole church. There was no sign of thankfulness in that environment because people were too busy grumbling to be thankful. I think that's really sad. Grumbling had become the unhealthy keystone habit that led to other unhealthy things in that church. Grumbling led to gossip, which led to anger, which led to division, which led to unforgiveness, and it wasn't a good or a godly environment to be a part of. Thankfully, it followed. We don't have a culture like that. And we've tried really hard from day one not to be that kind of community, but to be a thankful and joyful church that looks for every excuse to celebrate God's goodness in our lives. But we need to remember that when it comes to building a community, we'll actually attract people, not, uh, we won't attract people who we think we are. Sorry, let me say that again. We don't attract people who we think we are. We attract who we actually are. So you'll find if you develop a pattern in your life where you're grumbling, what happens is after a while you start attracting people that grumble. And so after a while you will think everything in life is really bad because you're surrounded by people who say everything in life is really bad. So how do you break that cycle? Well, you break that cycle with a lifestyle of thankfulness. If you start to thank God, you will find yourself attracting other people that are thankful for the things in their life. And before you know it, you'll be surrounded by people who don't have any time to grumble because they're thanking God for all the great things that God has done in their life. You know, just a little tip to married couples. It's hard to be grumbling about your husband and wife if you start the day thanking God for them. It's difficult to focus on all the stuff you don't have when your early morning ritual is gratitude for God's generosity towards you. It's hard to feel sad when you're praising God for all the blessings in your life. As you start to be thankful for all the little things and all the big things you have in life, you'll start to attract other people who are also thankful. And before you know it, you'll start to experience new joy in life as you worship and praise and thank God together for the goodness in your life. This week in the office, Marie and Beck Callart were in, and we started to talk about what a collective group of thankers would be called and what a collective group of grumblers would be called. You know, animals have collective um, terms, so you think of like an army of ants, a cloud of bats, a hive of bees, a flock of birds, a herd of buffalo, a pack of dogs, a school of fish, a colony of penguins, a raft of ducks, a cohort of zebras, a streak of tigers, a congregation of alligators. Did you know that one? I didn't know that one. A plague of rats. I love this one, an intrusion of cockroaches. If my wife sees one cockroach, she thinks there's an intrusion going on and starts to panic. So I think maybe that was made up by a lady who had the same issue or phobia. But what would a collective term be for a bunch of people that grumbled all the time? We threw around some ideas. We thought maybe a plague, maybe a brood, maybe a grumble. But I just settled on a discouragement. Such a discouragement when people grumble. But what would a collective term of people who are thankful be called? We talked about thankers, we talked about a praise, we talked about a buzz, but I just settled on disciples. Disciples of Jesus are people who are thankful. Grumbling is contagious, so is thankfulness. And so we can carry a virus that will spread, or we can carry a health benefit that will bless. And I wonder, when people rub up against us, this church, what rubs off on them? Is it infection, or is it infectious thankfulness? I think of a beehive. 
You think of a bunch of bees buzzing around a hive, and there's that noise, isn't there? And it's quite loud. I think a church should be like that when it comes to thankfulness. The buzz that people should experience in a community like this is constant buzzing of thankfulness. People come in, they see joy on our faces, they they hear thankfulness coming out of our mouths. And and what happens when a a beehive is there and all all the bees are gathering around, they produce honey. And I think it's the same for us. When we are people that are thankful, we produce something sweet that maybe other people will be attracted to. And so the challenge for us at a fourth birthday as we celebrate God's goodness and God's grace towards us is are we thankful enough? You know, I'd rather stand before God one day and have him say, you know, Luke, you and follow, you overdid the thankfulness a bit. You know, you were just probably a little bit too thankful at times. I'd much rather that than stand before God and have him say, you know what, you never thanked me enough for all the grace in your life. You never thanked me enough for the goodness. So if we're going to err on one side of the line, I reckon err on the side of thankfulness rather than unthankfulness. For God's people, thankfulness should be lifestyle. Because of God's grace, we can be thankful in all circumstances. Why should we be thankful? Because this is God's will for our lives. I wonder how we can deliberately start this week to create a new habit of regular thanksgiving. How can we make time in our schedule to give thanks? Maybe you might want to write it down like Anne did. Maybe it's creating times of quiet reflection. Maybe it's expressing words of thankfulness to people in your life. Or maybe it's just becoming more deliberate and more devoted in your thankfulness to God. Today, we reflect on God's grace over the last four years with hearts full of awe and thankfulness. And we look forward for the next four years, the next 10 years, the next 50 years with excitement and expectation. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Dear Lord God, we have so much to be thankful for. And I just want to read some passages from Scripture that remind us Psalm 34, verse 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will be always on my lips. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song, for the Lord is the great God. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it's stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.